Hello, welcome to Talking Transatlantic with Talina Kapari in the United States. And Richard Wilson in the UK. And if you hear baby noises, that's because Talina is nursing her little baby sparkles. Well, that, that sounds a little dirty. I, I have a bottle. She, uh, I'm not naked on a podcast or anything like that. <laughs> well, it's acceptable. It's acceptable. <laughs> so, it's a hot day here in uh, in the northeast of England where I live. It's uh, it's 20-something um, degrees, which might seem nothing to certain parts of America, but it's here but in the UK, it feels Americans like... don't even know what 20 degrees is. Oh, Celsius. I don't even know what that is in Fahrenheit. Hot is what it is. I, I just say hot. So <laughs> I just say it's very hot. Talina, do you want to introduce our guest? Yes, so today we have a very special guest. We have Ferris the Great, who is a magician and balloon extraordinaire for about 27 years, who is now a journalist and franchise owner. But yeah. today's podcast, we will be talking about lighthearted subjects, uh, more than, you know, coronavirus protests and unrest around the world. So let's kick it off. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> Ferris. Thank you, Ferris, for, for coming on our show. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Uh, um, I absolutely uh, want to talk about fun, lighthearted stuff. Uh, as a franchise guy that covers Wayne News at Wayne, New Jersey, there's nothing but but just terrible stuff going on in the town. Arguments over race and and uh, you know uh, lines in the sand, political over X and Y and Z, and I'm tired of it. So uh, <laughs> I, I was. Um, uh, I was doing magic and balloons for a long time. And then when the coronavirus hit, that all had to stop. And so the the time that I got to go out on the weekends and perform in front of 20 kids and feel all that energy and all the laughter and all that stuff, that's that's long time in the past. And so no virtual parties then? Say again, Richard? No, no, no virtual parties. No, no balloon making there. over Zoom. They are there. I've got friends that, that do virtual magic shows at kids' birthday parties, and I could never do that. I could you never. like the energy. You like to be yeah. able to, yeah. It's not if the I same. feedback, uh, I just want to move on, you know? They've got these um, comedy shows on the, B, on the BBC here in the UK where they have a, a live studio audience, and, um, and it's like a panel show, and they've got comedians, and they're all making jokes, and it's really, really funny. But now it's all been done... Um, virtually, so people are like at home on, you know, and and no audience laughter, and it just is so weird. It, it's like empty. So I can appreciate that doing a kids party over Zoom wouldn't be great. Yeah. Makes you realize that the laugh tracks they put on TV shows actually add to the mm -hmm. entertainment. Which I really? used to, I used to be driven crazy by those laugh tracks, but I get them now. Let me tell you. It's like, no, it can be the funniest thing, and then there's just silence, it's tumbleweed, and it's just like, well, that's not funny. But it is, it is still funny. So, there's something to be said about picking up on the energy of a group. So, you know, I, I love comedy and I love um, going to stand up comedy shows, and you watch them on TV and uh, through Netflix and such, and it can still be good. Like, Jim Gaffigan is my all time favorite comedian and he's hysterical and it's still very good uh but that's because they're in front of a crowd and you can hear their reaction see their reaction to his comedy 
Um, I've listened to comedians on CD when I'm driving, and sometimes it's just like, oh, that's funny. And then yeah. I happen to see them live, and it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. I agree. Uh, well, one of the biggest um, sort of audience participation or or festival, I suppose, um, in the UK is Glastonbury. And that was supposed to be happening right now. Mm. And it's not because nobody's allowed to meet. So, um, mind you, I did get a bit... I watched REM. The, the BBC is showing repeats of all the old um, Glastonbury headliners and acts. And so uh, I watched REM on the BBC iPlayer last night. And uh, I got my little fix of Glastonbury. But it's... Um, in our house, because it's hot at the moment, nobody's going anywhere. Nobody's really doing anything. Um, tempers are flaring in this house. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ferris, uh, how did you get into performing and becoming a magician? Did you go to a magic school? Where did you learn your tricks? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I, I went to Montclair State College, which is now Montclair State University um, in New Jersey. And um, on my very first day, I met uh, what has become my best friend for 33 years at this point, um, Magic Bob Ritchie. And the two of us hit it off so well right off the bat. We were both very goofy people. We both just truly loved to entertain in lots of different ways, uh, in weird ways. Um, one, of my, one of my favorite shows is the Ali G show. You know, oh, yes. <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen and his kind of comedy is is such that it makes people the people don't realize that comedy is happening it's just real life stuff happening and and that's what we used to do we used to just uh, do a lot of slapstick stuff uh, walk up to a door and and you know open it up for a beautiful woman and then smack it into our head right as we open it up and just make ourselves look really stupid and, and we trip and fall and we did all that slapstick stuff. And, uh, it was just how we did it. And we loved, we loved entertaining people that way. One of our favorite things was we used to get into fake fights and, uh, we even, uh, like our friends years later still fall for it. I, I remember this one time we were on college <laughs> campus and there were some people sitting around in between, uh, in this quad in these buildings and we, we bumped into each other. We knew what was going on. We, we planned it, right? And now we started cursing at each other, pushing each other, fighting. Next thing we know, one of our friends jumped out of a window in the building, <laughs> run up to us to break us up. What are you doing? You guys are friends. <laughs> like, what are you doing? How do you not know we're the two idiots you know? <laughs> uh, so that, that, cha that became um, that kind of, well, let's just say there was a, a famous magic shop not far away uh, in Bloomfield. Uh, Mecca Magic, and supposedly that's where David Copperfield um, went and, and and learned his stuff. Who's also from New Jersey, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And mm -hmm. so um, uh, I was working in a restaurant. The restaurant always had a Bingo the Clown. The Bingo the Clown at my restaurant, Ground Round restaurant, was the worst, scariest person ever. And um, and eventually the manager realized I was just a goofball. And he's like, you should do this. So I did my, my, my first show in Clown It, and, and I looked horrible, disgusting, scary, like the It Clown, except drawn by a third grader on my face, you know. But I entertained, and the kid had a great time. And then the manager said, go to Mecca Magic. I went. I learned some tricks. I said, Bob, you're going to like this. Next thing you know, 33 years later, we've been doing magic for kids, and, and um, 
you know, balloon animals and all that stuff in our own special way. So fun times. So um, kids, I mean, I do really lay magic for my kids. They fall for it completely. Um, so they must be a great audience or are they a hard audience to play to? That's a good question. And I think if you've seen a lot of kids performers and clowns, especially, um, I don't want to disparage clowns across the board because a lot of them are great. And that's how I started too. But there seems to be a lot of clowns who feel like if they put a red nose on and makeup on, then all of a sudden they're funny and they're not. And, uh, and kids are very, very honest about this. So are you going to show me a picture of you as a clown? Is that what? <laughs> no, no, I was getting the phone out to take a, take a picture for Twitter. Because All right. Hey, buddy, I'm a clown. What are you saying? Uh, <laughs> there's some embarrassing <laughs> pictures on there, but none of them are right. <laughs> yeah. So to answer your question is, yes. um, uh, there was a lot of, uh, I feel honestly like uh, I was kind of born to perform for kids because uh, I really, and I don't want to, I, I was, I was a natural. I, you put me up in a bunch of, in front of a bunch of kids and I can just have some fun and they have fun too. You know, that kind of stuff. I always say my show is a, is a comedy show for kids that has a magic theme because my skills in magic are very, very basic, but my skills in, in facial making yes. and slapstick comedy and, and getting down on their level and all that stuff. Mm. Um, is it, it feels like it's natural to me. And they go mad for those balloons. Those oh, yeah, so balloon where shapes. did you learn how to make your balloon animals? I mean, I saw... Without popping the balloons as well. Every time <laughs> I well, I guess I should I should show a couple of balloons while we talk about this. Right? Because he's actually really good because uh, I told Ferris I was a party princess and I was supposed to know how to like make dogs and horses and all I knew like I could make was a balloon sword. So you don't <laughs> offer kids options. You say, do you want a sword? Yay! Everyone's so excited about a sword. Because if you say, what would you like, then then you're gonna have to be like Ferris and actually know how yeah. to make something. <laughs> someone like me and like, I want, make me Harry Potter on a broomstick. You're like, what? <laughs> well, here's Harry Potter on a broomstick. All right, here we go. No way, yes. look at that. I'm getting a picture of that. There you go. Is that cool? Wow. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Is that a bar? Where are you? That is in Wayne. That's a restaurant called Mother's Ale House. <gasps> I like Mother's. That's a yeah. good place. Oh, so you were making balloons over there just for fun, or you went out one night and just took your balloons? Uh, they actually, um, we our company has done, um, has a lot of restaurant customers that hire oh. us to go on weeknights for a couple hours and make some balloons and that kind of thing. So, what else am I going to show you? This one is pretty good. Oh, that, that's amazing. Look, that. See that with the lighting? Did you watch tutorials on YouTube to learn, or this was just like you figured this out on your own, kind of? Well, when we first started, you know, balloons were, and here, this one, this one's my favorite. This, I did a Wendy's, and I'm going to answer your question. I, I, I did a, a two hours at a Wendy's where two kids showed up, and then I spent the rest of the time by myself. And so I just started creating a scene. So wow, a, you know that, that is amazing. That's a knight, and he's got a there's a princess, princess and uh, there's a dragon breathing fire. That is amazing. Yeah, I wish I wish you could see this because they are very very good. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tweet um, those pictures out. There you yes. go. 
So, uh, yeah, I forget. I, I think we're Zooming. I thought I thought this was going to be video and all that stuff. Uh, I know. Well, it, it's, it is just a podcast. Um, maybe we should because uh, we, we, well, we do like to make the eye contact. So we've right, got well, the video. We're a money maker like this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. they like you putting to make a bar. <laughs> I'd have to have a but shave. We should do that one day. We can always do a video exercise, and then you could show us your balloons in action. Yeah, did baby sparkles like them? No, baby sparkles like watching the seeing the pretty balloons. Is that, is that, uh, is that her clown name, Sparkles? Well, the clown. funny thing about how she came up with sparkles is I'm an Italian family, and what's the name? It was such a big deal, and everyone was arguing one day. I said, That's it. I'm just naming her Sparkles. And her real name is Francesca, but we keep calling her Sparkles. So it was just easier that way. Awesome. Yeah, and she likes it. So. <laughs> yes, she does. Um, so it's a bit of a... Yeah, so there's two sides to personality then, Ferris. You've got the entertainer and then the hard news journalist. That's right. Yes. That's right. <laughs> uh, what it's interesting. It really is. There's two sides to it, you know, and, and I find it affect my life in a sense that uh, I can tell now without having the performing in my life over the last couple of months that I, I, I find conversations with friends and things like that tends to be a lot more serious because that's my world now. I'm writing about COVID. I'm writing about deaths. I'm writing about, you know, injustice and, and all that. And it can uh, get depressing. So yeah. <laughs> trying to, cause we've had a lot of people come on and talk about coronavirus or, you know, graduation and, you know, everything else going on in the world. And so this is, well, uh, I think it's a good idea what you did with this in that sense that I, for me personally, I, you know, I'd rather be thinking more positively. I'd rather have that natural instinct to be going to, to fun stuff and, and keeping things light. And, you know, I, you know, the world is serious enough that we shouldn't spend our entire time talking about serious subjects. You know, there needs to be some levity. There needs to be some fun. And, um, and whatever the name of that festival was, you said, Richard, we need Last more. Break. Um, I'll say this week I did get to cover uh, the opening of the Wayne Summer Concert Series, and there was a Billy Joel cover band, and I love live music. Uh... And for the first time in three months, I got to enjoy live music and uh, did some dancing and, uh, and had a lot oh, of fun. Uh... You know? So it was, it was a big plus for me. Was it social distance dancing? It was. Yeah, well... <laughs> Well, yeah. let's just say, <laughs> better let's just than say, nothing. There wasn't a lot of dancing going on, but it's hard to stop my feet from moving. Um, yeah. When I when I hear good music, I'd rather I'd rather be dancing myself. My girlfriend and I spent uh, pretty much it's pretty much a weekend thing up until coronavirus. It's been a weekend thing to go out and go see bands uh, at bars and maybe have a couple of drinks or two and. <laughs> And that kind of lets things flow a bit. And then we're out there dancing. And sometimes we're the only two people out there dancing. And, and I got to say, I do represent the white race pretty well on the dance floor. Not great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no friend of Snare or anything, but yeah, <laughs> I, I'm no slouch. Well, uh, a friend of ours on this show is a um, singer-songwriter called Harriet Rose Grant in the UK. And she she was uh, just start getting started. She was due to go to Nashville, doing lots of gigs, and then coronavirus and lockdown hit. So she's done a lot of gigs online and um, in her bedroom. And it's, you know, it's still good. It's still good to hear her belting out those tunes whilst, um, uh, you know, at home. And I suppose, 
you know, that's the new normal, but I can't wait for this to be over. I'm, I'm starting to cabin fever well and truly hit it. And one Everyone of the things, I, yeah, <laughs> and I don't get to go out to work. And well, I have a pretty good job. I work at the university while I'm doing this and other things, and it's pretty laid back. But but also, it's getting out of these four walls. And me and the kids, uh, my, my wife gets to go to work because she works for the NHS. She works in the hospital, and um, it's too. I just you know, and it's a, it's a pretty tough job she does. But at least she gets out and does something else. I'm going to, uh, I don't know, it's boiling over, especially today. I know what you mean. <laughs> I got to tell you, though, you said you said uh, something that's important. You said she gets to go work. Yeah. And that's that's an uh, kind of an attitude change that I think a lot of people are experiencing now. Um, it was something that, you know, we used to listen to motivational speakers, my, you know, my business partners and I, my, my entertainment business partners and I. And that was one thing that we always had to say is like, oh, my God, I have to go do shows, right? So we were doing, you know, this was full-time job for us for a long time where we were doing four or five shows every single day, every single weekend, and then go out and do a couple hours of balloons three, four nights a week. And it was it was work. It was a job, you know. But my partner, Bob, Magic Bob, always used to say, <laughs> don't say have to. You get to do this. Yeah, and it was, that's the attitude change that you need within yourself. And when you put it that way, it's like it's true. Like I'm blessed. I've always felt like really blessed. Uh, and I shouldn't say always uh, because there are times where I just couldn't stand the, the job and the work and being in front of those darn kids. I guess I have to watch my language, right? Uh, <laughs> but I look back, you know, I look back and I realize like I, I get that. I get to do that. I get yeah. to go out and have some fun and people pay me and, and, uh, it's and really it's, smiles to children's faces, yeah. which is, yeah. you know, after, if you're having a bad day and you make a kid smile, that's the, you know, no too. doubt. It's a mood changer. I've gone into many shows just like, ang- not angry. I'm never an angry person, but like just in a darker Wound mood. Up, yeah. Yeah. And then come out of it, just realizing like I'm, I'm bouncing on my feet. I just feel so much better because that's what human interaction and social interaction does. And that's what we've been missing for these couple of months. And I think a lot of that is not being taken into account with the restrictions that we have and what this is going to do to affect mental states Mm -hmm. of many, many people. Uh, or are affecting it. I've I've heard my my one of my other former clown friends, Tommy Knucklehead, told me he went out with some friends recently, and all three of them are going through a divorce that started because they just were stuck at home with their their spouse oh, for so no. long. Yeah, didn't know how to handle you know the the the, the mental changes that that have been occurring. Fun stuff to talk about, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, the pubs. Reopen in the UK on a day which uh, on the date for the pubs reopening. I think it's um, I think it's a, a holiday or something in the United States. Or you know, I think you mark it in some way. The fourth of July. Yeah. You know anything to you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so on the fourth of July in the UK, that is the day where um, the, the the pubs are reopening. Um, bars and things, restaurants. Um, you guys get Independence Day too. All right. Yeah, yeah. 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 That, that, that could be a movie. Could... <laughs> are they doing social distancing? Or are they going to yeah. have tell people you have to wear a mask unless you're? I what think you, you don't have to wear a mask. What you have to do is so the World Health Organization say, do you know what? Actually, it doesn't have to be two meters. It could be one meter. Um, so our our 
glorious leader Boris Boris Johnson has said, um, yes, you can go to the pub, try and keep them from two distances, but if you can't, then uh, so keep two meters if you can't, one meter will do. And I'm thinking, yeah, I think by what he means by that is when you go to the pub, you'll be drunk, and um, oh, can you hear the can you hear the kids shouting in the background? The <laughs> they're <shirt>. drunk too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so no, they're not drunk. But uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, um, so yes, so the pubs are reopening, and <coughs> excuse me, and the um, uh, and things have started getting going. Uh, I think some theatres are opening in cinemas. I think, and they're going to leave every other seat empty. So you know, oh, things well, you guys are a lot earlier than we are. Yeah, um, or a lot earlier than some people would like. Uh, some people are nervous about it. Um, I don't know. I think I've got the pub. I think what's going to happen with this social distancing in your pubs is going to be very simple. It's like social distancing is in place until the fourth pint, right? <laughs> and then at that yes. point, you know what? Nobody cares anymore, right? <laughs> and the good part yeah. is you're drinking alcohol, and that's killing the coronavirus. Oh, yeah, yeah. As you yeah. go. So I think, I, think, I think shots are a very important part of this to help keep everybody safe. They should be mandated. I, I like this. You, you, you should run for Congress. <laughs> like, I win like, in Ireland. How's that yeah. Irish joke for you? Yeah. <laughs> um, because you, you, you would want a shot because you lift the mask up, lock the drink, put the mask back on, or have maybe a, a, a straw. No, but if you drink with a straw, then that's, you know. Is that true that you get drunk quicker drinking through a straw? They say that. Who knows? Probably depends on your body weight or something. I mean, if you're drinking like vodka or tequila through a straw, I'm pretty sure. But I don't know about a pint. Well, <laughs> did we do that? In, in, when we lived in Edinburgh, um, we used to because the pubs stay open really late, don't they? In in Scotland, because um, they, no, they, they have to. They were open till twelve. Uh, twelve, one o'clock or something, weren't they? In, oh, in the UK, good. they have to shut by eleven. And then um, and nightclubs by two, but in Scotland you could stay out all night, and we we did a few times and uh, have breakfast while we're still out. And Talina used to take out a to-go bottle in a in a handbag or purse, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she left it in one of the pubs one night, and um, and <laughs> they uh, they opened it to see if there was some ID in it, and found this. Uh, water there was no ID. Of, <laughs> it was I just called. a water bottle. War bottle full of vodka. <laughs> no, that was for to mix the drinks. We were students. It was cheaper. You yeah, ordered yeah. a drink and then you just... You would order it. the Coke and then we would de yeah. just decant from this to-go bottle. Undo the zip on the person. Oh, we never do anything like that here. No. I, I oh, no. Everyone's always... That was students being like, hey, we're going to save a lot of money ordering four Cokes. Students. <laughs> uh, I guess I shouldn't admit that I have a fake um, lotion container that, uh, <laughs> that you can put in your pocket and bring with you to bars and stuff. I mean, drinks are expensive. Yeah. Like, and I, we go out like, a, and, uh, and we'll just, you know, I'll have like Jameson's and she'll, she likes uh, oh, that, that um, cinnamon whiskey uh, fireball. and oh. oh yes. And you go and just say, I'll have one neat. And the two of us, you know, one drink each. And that's, that's, uh, you know, 15, $20, $22 sometimes right then and there. Whoa. And, uh, and so, uh, 
Well, I shouldn't say anything. Never mind. Nothing <laughs> else. I just buy drinks at the bar and I don't ever. <laughs> Everyone, we're never. all adults now. We buy our own drinks and everyone's all good as we should. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No one does anything wrong. That's right. So. And Amazon does not have very cleverly uh, uh, camouflaged flasks. Oh my gosh. They have one. Have they have a tampon one. I mean, they have so <laughs> many crazy things. Like, oh. I'm going to use the tampon one. No one will ever be suspicious of that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's wondering what's going on. So I have a back to entertaining children. I have an interesting oh, yeah. question. The, the um, job. Yeah, the job. No, just because we're you know we don't just go to bars and bring our own stuff. Um, since you entertained so many different children and at parties, did you notice different a different parenting skills? Like when I was a party princess, I saw like how crazy some moms could be, how some were really great with their children, how, you know, I think you could learn a lot from doing that. Mm, yeah. You know? Yes. Like, what would you say in your experience? Uh, gosh, I was I'll always shocked. Again. I'll never get hired what? again if I say this. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got to tell you, like, uh, you know, us and our kids entertainers, when we get together and talk, you know, we love the kids. The worst part about our job is dealing with the crazy moms. And even crazier, the crazy grandmoms, you know, I mean, you know, we make some great balloons and the balloons uh, aren't a uh, 10 second sword. Here's a sword, here's a sword. And the line moves along. Someone hires us for an hour balloons with 20 kids that means one kid is waiting in line for an hour at a party. It's yeah. more fun, you know? And we always go over an hour. So sometimes it's an hour and 15 minutes that it's still wait. But you get top quality balloons. Now, yeah. grandma, who loves their little grandson and can't stand that their little grandson is missing out on the rest of the party and is standing in line, and I get it, <laughs> is coming up to me and saying, he wants a balloon now. And uh, okay, that's cool, but I have this line of kids and they've all been waiting and shouldn't we be teaching the kids to be patient? Shouldn't we be teaching them that they need to wait and, and take yes. their turn and everybody's fair and all that stuff? But no, grandma needs to make sure that this kid gets the balloon right now. And uh, so, uh, so the, you know, and then we got the moms like that too. And, and that's the difficult part. And really, honestly, I find it mostly in like really high end parties where, you know, I guess some parents just don't or have never learned that, uh, <laughs> that uh, just because you're loaded and got a lot of money that you have to wait like everybody else too, you know? So those are the kind of things that drive me nuts. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree. I went, I was a party princess in California and also in New York. And the best part is like riding the subway as like Snow White or Cinderella. Nobody flinches because it's New York. But I went did some really- You and some other dude in a Cinderella costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a, a party on the Upper East Side once. And I mean, we are talking like fancy, fancy, you know, doorman, all these, you know, I've like never seen a place like this before in my life in New York. And the mom, I'm supposed to be entertaining the children. She's like, my makeup artist didn't come. And I had to do all the ladies makeup. She's like, I, <laughs> the kids had no one to entertain them. I was so confused. They didn't care. They'd rather look good. Can they not do their own makeup? <laughs> no, they don't do it. That's these moms. They're like, you know, New York housewife style. <laughs> they would look like me when I was first doing my clown makeup. <laughs> but some parents are really nice. And then some, I just couldn't believe how they treat their children. But like you said, like taking your turn or sharing or people like, oh, you, you know, like little Cindy needs to go first. So she's, it's crazy. Yeah. 
I got to tell you though, we made, we made quite a bunch of money off of, uh, off of those kind of moms. And again, I guess this is the end of my career, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. In the sense that, you know, back in the day, you know, the highlight was probably around 2004 mm-hmm. was like, might be the peak 2006, right in there, right before the, the housing bubble popped in, in America. Oh, yeah, yeah. And everything, the Great Recession hit. That was like the peak, and you know, we, we sold almost a million dollars one year of entertainment to kids' parties. Wow. And that's a lot. Yeah, we had at one point we had three full time and one part time employees on the phones booking our shows. Um, that was at the highlight. But um, the interesting part to me was like why we made all that money was because it was like you know here's little Johnny's four year old birthday party and he's got a magician they've got two balloon artists face painters and a tattoo artist and all that stuff and then the very next week is across the street and that woman had to have a party that was better than the uh, one we saw. Yeah, oh, yes. So now we've got the moon bounce and the rides for the kids and then the next mom. Well, I had to out top them and my kid is more important than these other kids. And so, holy moly, I'd show up at a four-year-old birthday party and these guys were spending, you know, $20,000. And it was just my kid, my kid four-year-old birthday party. You know, they were lucky because I was an entertainer. I went into their schools and did a show for them, you know, but uh, their birthday party was their friends came over and here's some cake and, 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 cookies and, and, and yeah pizza. and they would give you Stop tips yelling too. so much yeah. <laughs> but at See, the time I, they'd give you tips right ferris you would get a tip afterwards or would they just pay a set amount more or less oh yeah the tips there was a lot well again i guess the irs isn't watching this right yeah, no no, uh, no. no. we've only got two listeners i think so uh, right. neither, no, no, neither no, <laughs> transatlantic you know the cia and mi6 yeah. Are listening in right yeah they're going to be listening yeah monitoring <laughs> you know, it's funny since I did Biden sing on Diego. So, and this is of course not to generalize people because everyone's different, but whenever I had a Mexican party, because you know, there's a lot of Mexicans there, they never tipped me in cash, which is totally fine. They tipped me in uh, Mexican candy and Corona. So like I would leave the drink, the drink. <laughs> to drink Corona. The, they gave me a stick with all this Mexican candy and said, thank you so much. I'm like, that works too. <laughs> oh, I see. Think there's so many nice people who are just like, come, come afterwards, come sit down. Here's a giant plate of food and here's whatever you want to drink and all this stuff. And uh, I've always was, I was always one where uh, I'm, I'm an introverted extrovert or an extroverted introvert. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but when I was done performing, I was done. I wanted to pack my stuff. And I wanted to get out of there just because I, I was, I had to be on, I had to be Ferris the Great when I, yeah. when I was on, you know, and so uh, I always was like, yeah, can you give me that food to go? That kind of thing. And, but there was also the point I knew, too, that, you know, if I'm taking their food and their drink, then they weren't likely to give me a tip afterwards. So, uh, yeah, you was know, like, I got to get it. Yeah. yeah, they would usually just hand it to us and then we go on our very way. But then they, they'd ask, like, would you like to play the food to go? Are you hungry? Except if you're, I was Elmo a couple of times. Elmo never got anything. Elmo, like he couldn't take off <laughs> the Elmo head <laughs> or SpongeBob. 
So like, oh, SpongeBob. Oh. And Elmo, if I can get this right, it's like inside the costume, it's 25 degrees. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, you cut everything out. So if you're looking for a quick detox, you, you know, SpongeBob's a great <laughs> character. Elmo. The best part is like you weren't the you weren't the the only one in that Elmo costume this weekend. If you worked for our company, you know, you'd have somebody sweating in that oh. thing. And oh, oh. Yeah. the next day you got the next person climbing into that helmet. It's like well there's if you do it again you know start performing i have my own elmo costume so if you need an elmo i actually come at you know you have an elmo i'm sure your husband has an elmo costume appreciates you in an elmo costume on a saturday night once (laughs) there you go I got it for my niece's birthday party and I've worn this Elmo. Like Elmo was a great investment. I've worn it so many times, like reading stories. I don't know, walking around the block, jogging. I don't know. (laughs) Elmo, Elmo jogging in Jersey. It's fun. Elmo at the supermarket. Elmo at the supermarket. Picking up up fake tampons that are actually alcohol. uh, uh, (laughs) I once uh, ran out of gas one time leaving a party and petrol as you call it in the UK. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't have a cell phone at the time because it, like I was still living in the UK and I was just home for two months and no one would stop and help me. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And I was a girl in the tank top and a short skirt thinking like, you know, obviously someone should stop. And I'm like, you know who they're going to stop for? Elmo. If Elmo's on the side of the road in a car, someone will stop. So I made really? sad yeah, so I did like sad Elmo, help Elmo, and his tow truck comes like Elmo. What happened? I, <laughs> I said Elmo sad. Elmo has no gas, and so he took me and dropped me, took my car, and I got gas. That's that yeah, that so- is the craziest Tanina story. That's nearly as crazy as the guy who came to our flat in Edinburgh and played the violin for Tanina because she dumped him or something. She played <laughs> the the violin for him in the middle Scott- of the night. <laughs> Paco no. Bell, Canon in D minor, wasn't it? Your favorite. Yes, that was my favorite. <laughs> People, shut up. <laughs> Go home. <laughs> that was a good time. He was a nice guy, that fella. He was nice. But uh, <laughs> so that's interesting, Ferris. So, uh, but after this is over again, you hope, I mean, I saw that you did perform at the Wayne Library right right before they had a golf something, a golf event or a fundraiser. A fundraiser. Yeah. They set up like mini golf in the in the library, so yeah, I did a magic show for them, and that was fun. You know, that was a good time. I, I have a good time doing uh, performing. Uh, as an entertainer, I always say like, they pay me to get up off my butt and take a shower and get out the door and drive there. But when I'm performing, that uh, that I would do for free because that's always you know ninety five percent of the time is a lot of fun. Uh, but just dragging my butt up and getting out and you know, all that stuff. That's the hard part there, but uh, good times. Um, uh, I, I don't have a lot more of time. Um, I have to, this is, oh no, we are, I need it. Yeah. But I'm going to, I'll tell you my, my uh, favorite performing story. So uh, I always, you know, the, you can edit this cause I'm stumbling here, but. Um, <laughs> yeah. He adds everything. That's the one good thing. So. <laughs> okay. There's, there's a lot of shows that you repeat, you know, so someone hires you for an event and every year they have the event and they want you to come back and do it again. I only had one magic show, one show that I did. It was the same show, basically the same lines, you know, I'd improv depending on the situation and that kind of thing. Uh, and I remember I was doing a, a fundraiser for a, uh, some kind of church preschool and, um, I, I did it for years and 
I remember I, the first time I did the show, I finished a great show. It was a huge crowd, you know, like 150 people all sitting on this gym in this school. And I finished, and I can't remember the guy's name, but I saw a sign at the end that said, show sponsored by Joe Smith, whatever his name was. And I said, oh, I, I didn't even include him in the show. And he's the one who paid for me. Second year, the same thing happened. A year later, I do the show at the end. I see the sign show sponsored by joe smith and again i'm like gosh i didn't even think about him now i do this uh, uh, this trick in my act where it, it's like the first 12 minutes of my performance is this rope trick and all this stuff and it ends up oh, with a rope coming out of my sleeve and a big giant pair of underwear comes out and i always say like hey that's not my underwear it's the dad's underwear at a kid's birthday party so this time i'm setting up and there's the sign for joe smith Finally, I do the whole show. I'm throwing out some Joe Smith stuff. I haven't met the guy. I don't know where he is. I do the thing. I pull out my underwear, big underwear. And I said, you know, I do my thing. And at the end, I go, don't worry, kids. That's not my underwear. It's Joe Smith's underwear and crickets. And it never gets crickets. Nothing. No smiles, no laughs. I'm like, what's going on? So I'm doing my show. Next thing I know, there's a woman behind me. on stage clearly wants to talk to me in the middle of the show and here i am i turn around and i go look at her and here's the body you can't see this is on twitter the body language on me is i'm up energetic my shoulders are up and all that stuff and i go over i talk to her and she whispers in my ear don't do any more Joe Smith jokes. He died three days ago. So everybody in the room knew that I found out at that moment. And my body like just dropped. Oh, now I turn and look at everybody. Oh, painful, painful. Lesson learned for, you know, future performers. <laughs> anyway. I remember, I remember uh, afterwards when I, when I pulled the underwear, I did the joke and it fell flat. And I said, I said, it, it just came out of me. I go, what? That's not funny. Cause it was always funny. You know, I delivered that point really, really well. And it's always funny every time. And I remember driving away to the next show. Just going, oh, yeah. you know, what? That's not funny. What? That's not, it wasn't funny. <laughs> do, you, do you find yourself later doing the dishes or something and you suddenly remember it and go, Oh, Oh, it comes back in. <laughs> well, that is a good story. Well, uh, we'll conclude with that story, which right. we'll... it's a nice positive. Well, I will say that at the end of the show, I used to use white doves, and everyone would come pet the doves, and everybody who came up with their kids said. Joe loved you. He would have loved that joke. Don't worry about it. That's <laughs> oh, that's good. good. That's you know they you made have me real doves. Two two white doves. Yep. Yeah. Oh, but you kept it. You didn't like have them fly away. You just well, they doves are expensive. Yeah, I remember one time at a at a preschool. Uh, it was actually my daughter's birthday at her preschool, and the dove came out and flew out a, a, around the crowd and dropped a load on this oh that went from like <laughs> belly to shoulder, like it was like <laughs> biggest. I don't know what shite is that the word the biggest that's the word that's, that's the that's the word. <laughs> And I got lucky on that one because the teacher said, well, if it was going to shite on anybody, that would <laughs> It had to be that kid. <laughs> cool and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. After I retired, and I haven't used doves in a long time, but I retired at one point and came back. But after I retired, you know, I, I really appreciated my doves because they were delicious. <laughs> Just kidding. <Yeah. laughs> Fried squab. Hey. 
Well, it's been great speaking. Um, yes, thank you for coming on our show. But we know you're a busy man and you need to get on and do some work. Do you need to do some work, Selena? Uh, yeah, well, I'm always doing work. Ferris is like, he's writing a little more hardcore journalism. I have a head yeah. of the weekend, the cooking section with the kids today. <laughs> I've got, um, well, it's five o'clock now here. So I'm just going to go, I don't know, drink beer. There you go. And, uh, <laughs> thanks. So Ferris the Great. After a couple of times. Yes. And I might make a shout out to my two nephews who live in England. Oh, yeah, go for it. Yeah. My, uh, you have to let them know. Well, it depends on how old they are if they should be listening to this uh, show. <laughs> they know who I am. I perform for them too. Uh, my nephew Andrew is uh, a freshman. Well, I don't know what you call it. First year at Newcastle University. Just on the road from me. Oh uh, yeah, just on the road. Me yeah. mom was uh, born and raised uh, in uh, what is it? Tynesmouth. Is that what you say? Tynemouth. Yeah, yeah. Tynemouth. Yeah. Yeah. And. I've got family out that that area. And then my other nephew, Alex, uh, he lives in Manchester. Oh, yes. I went to university first time down in Manchester. Lovely place. Great stuff. Oh, well, hello. So so what, what, who's who's in time? Who, who's in Newcastle? What's that? What, what nephew is that? Andrew. Andrew. Yeah. Ah. Oh, we'll have to tell him since he's a first year, he, he can listen to our show because then he's over 18. <laughs> <laughs> Alex just turned 18, too. So they're really- oh. Fantastic. Oh, okay, good. So you'll have to let them know about your big debut on Talking Transatlantic. <laughs> right, on, right on. And I don't know if anybody's listening, but my uh, my uncle Peter, who uh, recently passed away, um, was one of the old school um, doctors that would actually make house calls around that area, um, you know, around Tynemouth. And I'm like, I don't think it, he was lived in Tynemouth, but around somewhere around that area, Peter Campbell. Um, and uh, unfortunately, he had, uh, you know, he had, he had, a, he got developed, he's 94, developed a bladder infection, went to the hospital and picked up coronavirus. And oh, no. Days. Yeah. Oh, that's so um, sad. Yeah. But, um, you know, as his son says that, um, that he was, he went very peacefully, you know, they realized they couldn't do anything for him. And so they just gave him morphine. Yeah. And and so he just slept. He slept until he died, and and uh, but had a great life. Yeah. And the cool part, you know, the positive side to it is that um, I I was my me mom. She uh, shared <laughs> this uh, Facebook page about my about her brother, my uncle Peter, and it was just filled with hundreds of comments of people who remembered him as their their doctor and the doctor who delivered their babies for him oh, and, yeah that uh, he was just so loved and so respected so if anybody knows in that area dr peter campbell you know that's my memorial to him on this uh ah oh, very good that's very nice type mouth is just below a little town called whitney bay which is where my mum's from so uh it's all local. So it's your it's your mum from the UK then, is that? Yes, she is. Yeah, yeah very yeah. good. So born and raised, lived there. She actually uh, was a journalist herself at one point when she lived there, and then. Um, oh really? Where where did she work? Uh, she'll kill me. Was she on the papers? What's that? Her dad's American. He's from Jersey. Is that how she ended up in Jersey? No, no, my dad's Californian, but he was a Coast Guard uh, search and rescue pilot. And somehow their paths crossed in Puerto Rico and they met <laughs> and got married and had two kids in Puerto Rico, went to Alaska and had two kids, went to Alabama and had me, went to Michigan and had a kid, went to New York and had a kid. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
she was See, a. Uh, on your face, I've learned so much about you today. <laughs> <laughs> that's and, a great story. Yeah, so you both performers too. So we were a performing family. That's where it all came from. How cool! Yeah. Like oh, Von Trapp for musicians. Von Trapp. <laughs> that's right. <gasps> well, on that note, I think that's a great story. So that's commiserations for your for your uncle, but. Um, yeah, but but you know it's great to know that he was so well liked in these very parts where I'm living right now. Yeah, it's fantastic. A, I mean, it's just that they don't do that anymore. House calls and all that with Doctor. No, they don't. No, old school. Yeah, good stuff. Well, I'll let you get back to your serious journalism. I'll. Um... We'll wrap up the show, but thank you so much. Yes. For coming on and cheerio, pip pip, and all that. Yes. And thanks for listening to uh, Talking Transatlantic. Um, so it's Richard W at Richard W News is my Twitter address. Talina, what's yours again? I think it's still Tales from Talina or Tales with Talina. Not so big on Twitter, but you can tweet Richard. Yeah, tweet me or email us at talkingtransatlanticoutlook.com. There we go. Thank you so, for listening, everyone. <laughs> thank you and bye-bye. Bye. Bye.